from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Balm for the soul, baby. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. This is the Badass Counseling Show. I am Sven Erlinson. I'm in studio today with my master technician, Rob. At your service, sir. Uh, always so, such a gentleman. And my other uh, producer, who's normally back in the booth, you guys know that, but she is out front with us today. Say hello, KC. Hello, KC. Oh, you are the clever one. Always keeping me on track there, both of them, and it's great to have them here. Today, we are attacking an episode that every single one of us, again, has dealt with, and it's motivation. It's motivation. It can be motivation with regards to career, motivation with regard to relationships, should I stay or should I go? It can be motivation uh, with regard to getting fit or solving my financial problems or whatever it takes. But there are times in life where it's like life is just sitting its fat ass right on my fucking head and I can't get motivated or I get motivated, but then I lose my energy. It's a start, then a stop, start, and then a stop. Or where I have every desire to change and to make changes, but I just can't Uh, sort of get over the hump and conjure the energy necessary to make the change. And as uh, many of my listeners and those of you who follow my videos and have read my book know, uh, you know, it it generally boils down to it's it's, the energy is in there, the passion is in there, the desire, the the internal GPS is in there. But what keeps us from going in the direction of our passions is there's so much other crud on top of it. Well, we've got a couple of great guests tonight. We've got James and Rebecca, and uh, I want to share their stories with you. And I'm going to turn it over. We're going to start with James, and I'm going to turn it over to Rob here to give you just a quick background on James. Here's what James wrote to us. Hello, Sven. I love your podcast, and I'm excited to start reading your book. I am feeling very lost. In this past year, my wife and I have separated but still live together. The idea to separate was my idea so I could start growing into my own person because I feel like I have lost myself during the course of our relationship. I have not been able to make any meaningful changes in the past three months, and I feel like I am just spinning my wheels. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. James, it's great to have you here. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to this. Well, thanks for coming on. So you say you felt lost during the course of your relationship. Um, uh, Or you feel like you've lost yourself during the course of the relationship. When you started the relationship, did you feel like you knew who you were? And did you feel like you weren't lost? No, I think I was still already a little bit lost. It was just, um, I like, I think I knew what I wanted at that point in time in my life. And now that I've gotten a little bit older and grown a little bit more, um, I'm ready to like get to the next chapter, but I'm having trouble turning the page. If that makes any sense. Fair enough. What did you want then? And what do you want now? In just a couple of sentences, if you were to be as clear as possible, what was it you wanted then? Okay. Um, so then I, um, I always wanted to get married. I always wanted to start a family before I got um, older. And, um, yeah, I just, I wanted to be a dad so I could be, um, a good role model for the next generation coming up. And so then you've, sounds like you've accomplished all three of those. No, um, uh, we got married, but, um, we don't have any kids still, which that's totally fine because we both have our own things that we're going through right now. And I can't, I can't consciously bring life into this world knowing that I have a lot of work to do on myself first. Fair enough. I respect that. I respect that. And so then you've accomplished a couple of things that you first set out to do, uh, marriage, and you've started a family, and a marriage is the start of a family. That is the foundation, at least of a married family. There are single families, and, and nothing wrong with that, uh, but uh, it's great that you have a good foundation. You said, you know, you have uh, you feel like you've lost yourself during the course of our relationship. Let me ask you this. When did you first start to sense that you had lost yourself or were beginning to lose yourself? First of all, when did you get married and when did you first start feeling like you were losing yourself? Uh, we got married. Uh, we had a little COVID panic marriage um, at the courthouse in March of last year. And then we actually had a real ceremony um, in September. And then it was... Um, Let's see here. It was probably about February of this year where I kind of started feeling that um, I'm not quite where I wanted to be. And um, 
I'm not wasn't sure who I was looking at in the mirror kind of thing. All right. And so then that raises the, uh, the second question that I had asked earlier, and I'll bring it back up now, and that is, so where is it you want to be now? You say, I'm not quite where I want to be. Well, where is that? Uh, I'd like to be financially stable to where I'm not worrying about like how uh, the mortgage is going to get paid. Uh, I'd like to be able to stand up for myself um, more than I do now. Um, I'd, like to just, I'd like to just be who I think I am. Like there's so much things I want to do. You want to be financially stable. You want to stand up. You want to be financially stable. Stand up for yourself. Be who I think I am. And so let me ask you, who do you see yourself as? Or who do you see yourself that you'd like to be? Who you think you said, I want to be who I think I am. Who do you think you are, James? And I don't mean that like, who the fuck do you think you are? I mean it like, you know, who, who are you? Right. <laughs> no, uh, I, uh, I believe I'm very kind, um, soul I'm, I'm very nurturing um i like to um i like to kind of take people under my wing and like kind of help them build them up and then um i, I just kind of don't put that same energy toward myself for some reason um very often it's easier to give attention to others uh, than it is to give to us we've all heard that before but the reason for that is there's a there's really a sense of immediate gratification or gratification that we get from the other person that gratitude thank you for helping me and then they like us mm-hmm. yeah then they're nice to us then that if i'm nice to them and i do things for them then they'll like me then they'll say oh thank you james you're the best and gosh i i really appreciate you and that feels fucking good Nobody can dispute that. That feels really fucking mm-hmm. good. Um, I am curious. You had said, okay, so I decided to separate uh, from my wife so that I could start growing into my own person. Um, and so that clearly indicates that you saw your wife as somewhat of a blockage to you uh, becoming your own person. Why would your wife be uh, inhibit her to you becoming your own person? What's the correlation between those two things? Um, see, that's the part I'm not like totally sure on because I can see she's working on her things and like kind of actively going toward her dreams. And I just, I kind of have the fear of being left behind. So, um, my thought was if we separate and I can become the person I think I am, that maybe she would come back in like full force back to me because she liked me beforehand. But if I'm better, maybe she'll like me more afterward. Did she at some point start liking you less? Yeah, there was definitely a pullback. Like, um, uh, she got more emotionally distant. When did the pullback happen? Uh, it was a little bit before Christmas time, I think. Yeah, it was a little before Christmas. And I got to ask, why then? Why before Christmas does, did she start to pull back? Why not in uh, October? Why not in March after that? Why a little bit before Christmas? Why then? From my opinion, I believe it was because I was putting um, less and less effort into our relationship. And I was kind of like defaulting on letting her kind of run the show and like make all the decisions and whatnot. And I just, um, I I guess I just got really complacent. Okay. And let me ask, why was it then leading up to, say, December, Christmas time? Why was it? You said that's when she started to pull back. Um, and because I was pulling back and I was becoming complacent and I was letting her make the decisions, why in, let's say November or October, why were you pulling back? Why were you becoming complacent? What was going on inside of you that caused you to do that? I think it was definitely fear, but I'm not exactly sure what I was afraid of at that point in time. What were you afraid of? I want to know. I want you to take a swing at it, knowing you could change your mind tomorrow or change your mind next week. Give it your best shot. What were you afraid of happening or uh, that caused you to pull back in, say, November, December, October-ish? I believe I just, I, have really, I had really low self-worth at that point in time. And um, the biggest fear was like I would wake up and she was like, you know what? I'm good. Get, get out of here kind of thing. Oh, so wait a minute. You checked out. You checked out and started pulling back and becoming complacent because you feared that she wasn't going to like you. You feared that she was going to wake up one day and not want you. Why did that fear hit you then? Um, That that was about the time that um, I was the sole um, um, breadwinner of the household. And I think I was just uh, uh, dealing with all that extra pressure of like, if I don't go to work and do what I have to do, 
then it's uh, we're going to be living out on the street kind of thing. And then um, since I had to put extra energy into work, I wasn't able to put the extra energy in at home. And that makes total sense. I mean, there's only so much energy any given person has in a given fucking day or a given fucking year or month or whatever. Um, but what's the correlation? And I can see then. And when we're stressed, we just we have to pull back. We got to put our direction, our energy in the direction that it needs to go. And if you're only one income, yeah, your energy needs to go towards work. That actually makes total sense. Honey, I need you to carry the fucking relationship because I got to carry the fucking you know, financial load. It's, it's somewhat logical. Um, did you guys actually talk this out or was all of this sort of in your own head? Uh, it was mostly in my own head. Um, yeah, it's, it's just everything I worked up because I, I, I tend to make things bigger issues than they actually are. So then by the time they get there, I'm just exhausted and I don't really have the, um, the energy to like fight back the way I should be fighting back. And is it reasonable to assume that the reason you really overthink things and make them bigger than they really are, is it because you're afraid you're gaming all gaming out all the scenarios in your head and all the fears start rising up and you start thinking, okay, where's what could possibly go wrong? Oh shit. It could become this. Well, wait, that could become that. And then it could be that. And then all Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, just spider webs out of control. No, I get it. I totally hear you on that one. Let me ask you, so you're working more. Did she lose her job then at some point, or had she been not working the whole time? Um, she was working, and then she left her job to um, kind of fully prepare for the wedding, and then she hasn't really worked since that happened. Like, she has a couple part-time jobs, but not anything that, like, really helps. Okay, so you've been, basically since the wedding carrying the been carrying the full financial load or primary financial load for the relationship is that accurate or inaccurate yes that's very accurate and was that the uh the contract when you guys first were together was that sort of the understood relationship or what was the understanding uh vis-a-vis money when you guys started your relationship that you would both work or that you'd carry the load or what was it uh, when we first started dating, we didn't have the conversation, but it was assumed that we would both be working. And then, um, like I said, she uh, she left her job for planning for the wedding. And then after that, we uh, discussed it. And then I was comfortable being the breadwinner or the primary income. And then it's just um, every day, it just kind of slowly kept chipping at me. And when you say it slowly kept chipping at you, I'm going to take a swing at what that might mean. And then you tell me I'm fucked in the head. I don't need to be right. I don't mind being wrong. I just I just want to understand. When you say, uh, you know, I was at first I said I was all right being the sole breadwinner and then it slowly began chipping at me. Is that your way of basically saying I began to get a bit resentful? Yeah. Yes. Let me ask you then, if you were to be totally honest, and James, I really admire your openness. You're doing great, man. I'm because this is heavy, deep shit. I'm trying. This is this is tough. <laughs> no, you're actually doing great. You're more than trying. You're doing great. Um, but let me ask you, um, and we're just going to keep going deeper. You're doing great. So I'm going to let's keep going, sp- spelunking that cave. What percent? If you were to put a percent on it. Uh, we're talking about this, how it was chipping away at you, that you'd be, you were the primary breadwinner and that sort of began to grate on you Mm -hmm. and sort of began to, you know, upset you and become a little, you know, bitter and angry or about it, whatever. If where we're at right now then, okay, so now it's a year later, right? Now we're coming up on Christmas before, right before Christmas of 2022 and you started pulling away back pre-Christmas of 21. So let me ask you, and it had been chipping away at you since, shoot, summer, spring, summer of 21. So we're talking year and a quarter, year and a half now that that shit's been chipping away at you. I got to ask, if you were to be totally honest with me, James, what percent is your level of pissed about this fucking money shit? Probably like a 75%. Yeah, I'm usually not like a super pissed person. <laughs> so if you're, well, that makes it even bigger, actually. If you're generally not a super pissed person, if you're generally, you know, pretty low key calm or, you know, go with the flow, mm-hmm. for you to be 75% pissed is just like a extraordinary contrast to your normal state, isn't it? Yes, yes, I'm. Uh, it's it's kind of uncomfortable at this point right now. <laughs> You're the master of the mother motherfucking <laughs> understatement, aren't you? Yeah, I'm seventy five percent pissed, and it's 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 uncomfortable. 
bit of a bit of an understatement there, right? Yeah, just years of programming right there. <laughs> right. I hear you. I hear you. Um, let me ask you if uh, have you ever expressed to her really how honestly it upsets me, honey, that, you know, I just I don't want to live this way. I don't want to be the, the primary bed, breadwinner. I know I said I did, but I have been living it and I don't want it. And it's making me really resentful and bitter. Have you ever said anything remotely related to that? Not, not that way. Um, we had a conversation pretty recently about how I'm just, I'm tired and I'm stressed and I just, I don't want to keep doing this long term. Um, but I didn't clue her into the fact that I'm just, I'm getting resentful over it. Okay. Two things. Uh, one, what was her response when you told her you were tired and don't want to do this long term? What was her response? Um, she, she said she understands, and then she started um, looking for jobs to kind of start helping out around here. Oh, so she's responsive. Okay, so that's a good thing. Yeah, she's honestly a great partner. She sounds lovely. Sounds lovely. Um, and I had asked you, so did you share with her that you're pissed and resentful and bitter or whatever you know word you would choose? And you said, no, I didn't. And so, so dig deep here. What's your fear if you were to share your real feelings and say, honey, I love you, I adore you, I think you're a terrific person, but if I'm really honest, and this is scary for me, sweetheart, but if I'm really honest, I've, got, I've grown pissed, and I should have talked about it in the beginning when it was small, but you know me, I, you know, somewhat, I'm uncomfortable sharing feelings, right, as you basically admitted, I think, um, and, uh, and to tell her that, and that this is how I've been feeling, what do you fear, and I'm not saying you should do that, it's okay if you don't. You just got to be you, all right? I support you 100%. When you walk out, out of my office here, I support you 100%. As long as you're not, you know, fucking goats or flashing children in the park, I'm okay with that. And I could probably even give room on the fucking of the goats, but that's a separate issue. Um, let me ask you. I'm just kidding around there, James. Um, let me. So, in other words, I'm not pushing you to take any action. What I'm wondering, though, is what's the fear if you did share your feelings with your wife it's it's the fear of being alone um after she sees my true self then she's gonna be like oh i don't want any part of that goodbye (laughs) exactly exactly you nailed it i sometimes i'll spend two hours with a person trying to get down to that level and you went there that fast that's exactly what it is that fear that if you saw the real me you wouldn't like me and you would leave. And you even said earlier that back in, you know, uh, fall, early winter of last year, you began pulling out of the relationship because I was afraid that I'd wake up one morning and she'd leave me. And we're going to hear more from James right after this short break. I'll continue to take him deep right here on the Badass Counseling Show. Are you finally ready to turn your life around? Finally get the clarity, happiness, and sense of purpose you've been waiting for your whole life? Then go to BadassCounseling.com now and get the international best-selling book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. It changed my life. It'll change yours. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now back to more Badass Counseling with Sven. We've got James, and he is going deep with me. He's letting me hold his hand as we walk deep into this cave of what is a fear for so many people. This isn't just James. It's not just me. It's, it's so many people. It's really all of us. The fear of revealing my real self to the world. The fear that if I show you who I really am, whether you're a friend, whether you're a lover, whether you're uh, uh, an associate, whether you're a family member, that if I show you who I really am, you may not like me. You may walk away. You may turn your back and walk. And it's the, the thought of someone turning their back and walking away and not liking us that is so scary because we all experienced it at some point in our lives. We've all experienced it in childhood and in teenage years and getting rejected by friends or bullies or, uh, you know, the opposite sex or whatever you're attracted to or, or getting rejected in work. We've all experienced it. And okay, so we're right there now with James. So James, it, you were saying then that the fear is that if I told my wife how I really feel and that I've been supporting, I agreed to it in the beginning. And I and James fully, you fully admitted, hey, I agreed to this. But as I've gone further down this road, I realized, you know what? Honestly, 
I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And with each passing day that you didn't talk about it, and I'm not schooling, I'm just saying, this is just sort of the cause and effect, sequence of events. Right. Each day that I didn't talk about it, it got worse. It grew, that it didn't magically go away. And the fear is that if I told her about it, she might leave me. So in a way, you're faced with probably, I have to believe, one of the scariest tests of your entire life. Would that be somewhat in the ballpark? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, this is this is one of the biggest challenges I've ever uh, had to deal with right now. Right, and and yet interestingly, this challenge, this thought that we just are sort of uh, putting our finger on right now of sharing your feelings with your wife, this isn't the first time you face that. You face this your entire life. Would it be accurate or inaccurate to say that most of your life you've kept the real you locked down and not revealed it, or have you been quite open with who you are and revealing who you are in your life? Oh, it's been locked down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, because uh, growing up, I always had to be like really quiet in the household. So, like, it's just, I kind of adopted that into my personality. And then now that I've gotten like older and I got my own place, it's just, I don't want to be quiet anymore. Love it. I love that. Good for you. So, you're sort of coming out of that crappy shell that you had to spend your childhood in. Is that right? Yeah, I'm trying. It's a, it's a thick shell. We're getting there. It's taking time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let me ask you, in what way, above all else, was it conveyed to you growing up, hey, shut the fuck up, or be quiet, or how was that conveyed in your home growing up? Uh, so my dad worked nights, um, so he had to sleep during the day. So then, you know, when you're a kid, you're up during the day, and you want to play as a kid during the day, but we always had to be quiet because because your dad's sleeping. You don't want to wake your dad up. Oh, you, you wake him up, you're going to deal with him. There's always that kind of kind of stuff. And what were the just briefly any other messages you got from mom and dad about yourself that you think might have also sort of shaped this reluctance to reveal who you really are in life? Um, so I like to say that um, I have two parents, but I like to say that I was raised by a single parent because the same dad that was like sleeping all day because he worked at night. Um, when he was awake, it was literally he could not be bothered to kind of deal with us as kids. And then um, even in their teenage years, like my mom had to show me how to shave because my dad was sitting in his chair watching a basketball game kind of stuff. So um, I'm kind of used to like having to be quiet. I go on the back burner and um, if there's an issue, I need to resolve it before I bring it back up to the table kind of thing. Gotcha. And just so I know, so you were, uh, basically you go on the back burner. I mean, that's sort of the message of your life. I am, I belong on the back burner. I mean, you got that from basically one of the two most powerful people in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And that if he was, even when he was present, he was absent, that you were basically rejected by your own father. And just out mm -hmm. of curiosity, the nature of the relationship with your mother was fundamentally what, or what were the messages you got from her? Um, my mom, she actually just recently told me that she always wanted to be a mother. And so, and then when she said that, it kind of clicked in my head that like, I need to be perfect so she oh. can have her ideal, um, like life. Cause I'm a, I'm a twin and like, I feel like I have way more standards on me than my brother does. And it's, it's very frustrating. Um, so you got the message that I have to be perfect. I have to be perfect basically so that mom is uh, justified or mom mom is fulfilling her role in life i'm proving mom's worth if i'm perfect then her calling to be a mom is proven yes and then uh, a further example of that um in june of this year i had um suicidal ideations i ended up in a mental health hospital i didn't tell anybody for a while and then when i finally got the courage to tell my mom about it her first response wasn't like, oh, are you okay? It's like, oh, what did I do wrong? Why didn't you call me? I would help you. In other words, it ain't about you, kiddo. And it's like, well, that's, that's probably why I didn't tell and, you. Well, and also, isn't that, in, 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 and first of all, I want to say I'm so sorry to hear that. And having been there for a long time in my own life, I totally get where you are at. I get that. And what's fascinating about her response is her response confirms the very reason you got there in the first place. You'd been getting the message your whole life from her that who you really are doesn't matter, that fundamentally you exist to prove her worth as a mom. And so then when you come out and you say, you know, I'm fucking suicidal, and she says, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? It's like, Ma, I love you, but what the fuck? This isn't about you. So your whole life has been about her. I mean, what, right. what brilliantly perfect, perfectly focused, crystallized proof 
of what drove you to that in the first place. Tragically, right. of course, but uh, so true. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you, know, you can laugh at it now. But, uh, that was rough when it happened. Oh, of course. And, and in a way, it's not even laughable now because it was just <laughs> fucking four months ago, five months ago, whatever. But I, I hear you on that. Yeah. Um, and so bottom line is, so here we go, kiddo. Let's do it. Here we go. Your message, the message that's been pressed into the wet cement of your soul your entire motherfucking life is you have to be perfect. You don't get to be you. The real you doesn't matter. You don't matter. Dad's sending the message you don't matter by simply being absent, even though his body was present. And mom is sending the message you don't fucking matter because she's saying I matter and you exist to meet my motherfucking needs. So of course you your wants, your feelings, zip, don't exist. So shut the fuck up, would you? That's basically the message you fucking got. So now here you are in adult life, stuck in that same fucking belief system, right? Yes, absolutely. It's nail on the head right there. Well, yes. and, well and so let me, so then you say, I've not been able to make any meaningful changes in the past three months. You, you got this separation to work on yourself. I haven't been able to make any meaningful changes. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I have to believe that what you want and what you aspire to in your life and your dreams, oh, they're in there, James. They're in there. But think about it. Mm -hmm. If you've been taught your whole life, I don't want to fucking hear what's inside you. Fuck you. That doesn't matter. You exist to meet my needs. The single scariest thing in life would be to reveal who I really am and not just to reveal it, but to go after it. Why? Because it's an absolute counter to the very belief system that you had been taught. No, you don't get a life. So for you to even have a dream, to articulate a dream, let it alone go after it, it goes completely against everything you've taught, uh, been taught that your existence is. So it's fundamentally, you doing it means standing up and saying, God damn it, I matter. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and, and the fear is, especially when you've got a woman that you love very, very much... The fear is that if I show who I really am, and that's not just what I want, but it's also what I don't want. And you know what, honey? I don't mm -hmm. want to do this soul breadwinner thing. I have dreams for my life too. So you having the courage to say what you want and say what you don't want unapologetically would be literally the greatest confirmation of your existence in your entire life because you have been living your entire life in a state of non-existence. I don't exist. I just, I'm just a functionary in the lives of everyone else. Does that make any sense? No, I, I've, uh, I've been feeling that, yeah. Okay, and so let me ask you this. Do you believe, if you were to be totally honest, do you believe that your wife loves you? Yes. Yes, I do. Let me ask you, what percent do you believe it? 20, 33, 19 and a half, 69, what? Um, it's in the 90s, somewhere well, in there. It's just, I, uh, I honestly believe that she loves me and I love her too. It's just a matter of trying to bash our heads on the wall and get through this. Well, no, and what, it's, what you're having to get through, James, what you're having to get through is the trust that she actually does. You're terrified to open up and say what you don't want and you're terrified to begin to reveal what you do want because you're terrified that you will fundamentally be unwanted just the way your mother didn't want the real you and your father didn't want the real you. And so you're terrified that if I put it out there and say, I, I, I don't want to do this supporting you anymore, and I want to do more of this, and I want more control, and I'm going to exert more control in this relationship or more equity or whatever, um, you're terrified that she's going to leave you. And so now this is really the, it's, it's you that has to get through the, the wall, the blockage of what if she doesn't like me? What if I put myself out there and she doesn't want it? And see, here's the thing, James. There's my final point, and it's this. That now that you see, see, now it's you. Every time now, see, your biggest mistake was getting into a fucking conversation with me. You want to know why? <laughs> oh, I don't because, make a mistake at all. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I say that is because now you're aware of the fact that me not expressing to my wife what I don't like, me not expressing to my wife what mm -hmm. I want, now it's me saying, I don't matter. Now it's me saying it. Up until tonight, it all those voices and you not expressing your authentic self, that was mom and dad's programming. Thank you very fucking much, mom and dad. 
All right. And I'm sure they're lovely people, whatever, but that, that shit gets pressed. So they get pressed. It gets pressed so deeply into the cement of the child that you've been running on programming. But now you're aware that if I don't express my real truth, go after what, if I, what I want, if I don't say no, and life begins at the word no. And if I don't have the courage to say no to all those things in my raw sewage list, as I talk about in my book, that if I don't start saying no, now it's me saying I don't matter. And you got to ask yourself the question, am I okay basically confirming that I don't matter? Because up to now, it's been them saying it. Now it's you saying it. And now every day, exactly, you're not okay with that, I have to believe, right? No, not at all. Because if I don't have my back, nobody's going to have my back. Well, exactly. And what's, and what's all likely to happen is your wife is going to surprise you. And she's going to say, and she already did. I mean, think about it. She already started looking for a fucking job. Okay. So she's hearing you, right? Mm -hmm. But you got it. The next step, James, and you coming out of that shell you were talking about is you have to have the courage to stand up for yourself. And that means saying what you don't want. The The path to becoming who you are requires discovering who you're not and having the courage to say no to those things that you're not. And then it requires the courage. And so in your journaling, what you need to do before you even have the conversation with your wife is journal out what are the aspects of my, in my life I no longer want? What are the things, even if it's small things to begin with, or even if it seems like crazy ass dreams, what is it I most want to pursue with my life? And then you start on that on the side of this shit you don't want, and you start saying no, and you start weeding those things out. And everything you weed out of your life is one more confirmation, I matter. You're on the cusp of major change, James, and what it really boils down to is you having the courage uh, to finally let out the real you, that radical self-love. Uh, do you think you got it in you, brother? I do. I, I feel like it's just like kind of welling up and it's burst, like it's ready to burst out. It's just a matter of taking that like step and just just fucking doing it and 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 taking that step but re- you got to remember James it's getting the crud out first it's getting the counter messages out first cuz then you're not really even having to push through anything because you're removing the fears and you're removing all the blockages that are causing you to feel trapped in the first place does that make sense uh, yes yes it does James i want to thank you for being on the show it's been great having you on this show thank you it's been a uh... It was a lot better than I thought it was going to go, so I appreciate it. You bet, you bet. And there's much more to come right after this short break. It took me to the place that scared me the most, the crap I've been running from my whole life, the stuff that's been dragging me down, and it literally began the healing. I feel lighter, clearer, and just happier. Finally, some freaking peace. You got to get this book. There's a hole in my love cup or the do-it-yourself video courses, all at badasscounseling.com. It's totally killer stuff. What's the badass got next? And we are back in the middle of a great episode on motivation. And we just got done talking to James, and now we've got Rebecca here in the house. Rebecca, are you there? Good to see you, Rebecca. How are you? I am. I am. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are Excellent. you? Sven? I'm doing just great. Uh, Rebecca, I'm going to ask Rob to just give us a quick background uh, to read the paragraph that you sent to us. So uh, hold on one second. Yes, Rebecca wrote, I did four sessions with Sven last year. OMG amazing. I read the book, did the exercises and the work. I made great progress and quit my job, as Sven and I had discussed and decided. My problem is that I have now done some backsliding on that progress and haven't been able to get on task to get to the next level. I have had some great opportunities to move more towards my dreams, but I can't seem to make decisions and to stop being so afraid and worried. So, Rebecca, let me ask you, what's the biggest backsliding that you've done on your progress since you and I worked together? Well, um, you know, uh, the last homework that I was supposed to do, I was supposed to read the Sedona Method, and I have the book, and I haven't read it. Um, You know, there's been a lot of great stuff. I've said no to more things since uh, last January when I quit my job than I have in my entire life put together. Um, just said no to, I had a lot of job offers and said no. Um, 
you know, so I, I set a lot of boundaries and um, have been. Why did you say no to the job offers? Because you didn't want them? They didn't feel right? Or because you were afraid? Why would you say a job offer sounds like a good thing? Why would you say no? I mean, saying no, as we just heard in the, in the, you know my time with James, saying no very often is what most needed. Why would you say no to a job offer? Um, none of it is um, what I want to do. My, my dream is to become a speaker. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I got Lyme disease seven years ago. Um, and this was the first time in 25 years that I haven't had two or more jobs and I've had nothing. So I wanted some time to rest and work on my health and, um, take time to just, uh, get quiet so that I could figure out what's coming next. And, um, the I quit journaling and I have been resting a ton, which has been truly amazing. It's been um, the, the the best thing that I could have hoped for. My my husband has been really really supportive. Um, I spent a lot of time getting asked. I have done a lot of speaking in this last year, and now um, I want to get paid for it. I want to go to the next level on things. Um, I have a lot of opportunity that I could be uh, uh, writing. Um, a show about me, you know, um, I, I made contacts and did a little bit of contract work with somebody who does um, arts and public health, you know, and things like that. So I have a ton of opportunity. I have all these ideas in my head. I have, you know, I bought the Cheryl Porter vocal method, uh, which I haven't done because um, I want to sing. And I I have the ideas in my head to write uh, a show. I have the opportunity. I have that. And um, I am sitting on my dead sweet ass. Um, I'm on like level 3,600 on two dots. And, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not... Um, I'm just not getting to that next level and um, working towards, and I just don't quite know how to get out of this so that I can move into that. Well, let me ask you, uh, above all else, what's the reason you've been uh, sitting on your sweet ass, to use your words? Oh, because the rest, the rest feels so good. The rest just feels so good. I have spent so much time having two or three jobs and running from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing and um, working through, you know, seven years of having a chronic illness while doing it. It has been, um, I have just not ever had it where, you know, my kids, my youngest two are 21, my oldest is 25. So it's like, I'm still helping <laughs> them, but it's been fabulous to just be and have some yeah. quiet it really has. So what's the fucking problem, Rebecca? If you said, you've twice now said you've been resting and it feels great and so forth. So if it feels great to rest, then I don't understand. What's the problem? It's almost like you're saying, I want my career to go forward, but I really don't because I'm resting and I'm enjoying the fucking rest. So where's the fucking problem? Well, the problem is that I am worried about, um, you know, my husband. My husband is the breadwinner and he's the sole breadwinner right now. He is worried that we are going to eat cat food in our retirement, you know. Um, and I am worried about, um, you know, this is all great. I'm, I have all this time and opportunity to be writing and I'm just not getting it done. And I'm also really worried about making money and being a good partner to him so that it's not all on him. You know, it hasn't been all bad for him either because I'm I'm doing the cooking and the cleaning and the chasing and the this and the thatting and taking care of the kids. Even though they're older, there's still 21-year-old problems in the world to handle and help them. But my concern is that I am not going to uh, do what, I, what we had agreed that I was going to do. The agreement was that I was going to rest and I was going to work towards building this. And I'm, I'm worried that I'm not doing it fast enough. I'm worried that I'm, you know, I'm 48. I'm worried that, you know, I'm getting older here. And, you know, should I just take one of these other jobs and get it out to make some money or, you know. What's the grand fear in one sentence or less? What is the grand fear that is keeping you stuck? The fear that what? You said you're worried about your husband and he fears we may end up poor um, and I'm not going to do what we agreed and so forth. What is the biggest fear above all else in all of this? 
I think the biggest fear uh, above all this is that I am going to go and try and do all of this and that I'm not as good as what I think I think I could be is what it really boils uh, down to. Then. So it really doesn't, I mean, yeah, it has to do with the husband because if I'm not as good as I you know, think I am or could be yeah. and so forth, sure, I won't make as much money, sure, whatever, whatever. But ultimately, you're afraid to go after what you most dream of and most want. And really, it sounds like it has been somewhat happening in bits and pieces coming together. You're afraid to go after it because you're afraid that you will fail, that you're not as good as you you fear that I won't be as good as I've always dreamed I would be and it won't work out. Is it, is that it or yes. you tweak it? Yeah, no, that, that is it. And, um, you know, I still, I've worked through so, so much. Um, but I still, I completely physically panic with criticism and I, I try so hard. I, I want to be better because it's imperative that you take criticism if you're going to do that kind of work. And, um, and I really physically panic and I, it, it sits in my head and I will think about it, think about it, how I screwed up, how I screwed up, how I screwed up for like days. And I just hate it. Hold on. I, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there. Uh, a few things, you know, you panic with criticism and, you know, you're going into work where you have to take criticism and you've basically said that the work you want to do is speaking and writing um, and do mainly maybe a show on you sort of thing. Those are the things you want, right? Writing, speaking and a show. Yes. Okay. Uh, forgive me for um, sort of bursting your bubble on what you think you have to do with regard to those things. But I literally have a career where I, apart from the counseling, which is speaking, but where I am speaking, writing, and have a show, I don't fucking listen to criticism. Fuck that shit. You want to know yeah. why I generally don't listen to criticism? Because I don't fucking care anymore. Yeah. I instead do what the fuck I want to do, and either people are going to like it or they're not going to like it. And do I get comments all the fucking time on TikTok and Instagram? And you shouldn't swear so much. And oh, shit, Sven, could, what are you, shopping at Baby Gap? Your shirts are fucking tiny. And oh, this guy's on steroids. And hey, buddy, no hair on your head. And I get so much fucking criticism. I get criticism from this person and that person and every, oh, I had somebody tell me this week, literally no lie. All right. Now, when I started on TikTok, Rebecca, um, you could do a one minute video uh, and a one minute video could be either duetted or stitched, right? Uh, but the max you could do is three minutes. So yeah, I had to pack shit in if I wanted people to be able to duet it or stitch it and you know show it to others or add their own two cents, I'd do it in under a minute. Well, try saying something substantive on a complex topic in basically 59 seconds with no fucking notes. It's like, it's almost impossible. So I talk really, really fucking fast because I'm trying to pack so much in to fucking help people. And some lady said to me this week, hey, slow down, make a second video. I can't follow it so quickly. And I'm like, fuck you, man. You're, so you're getting free shit here and you want to crawl up my ass? Fuck you, play it over. Okay, so my, <laughs> I know, a little salty. But my point is this. My point is this, Rebecca, yeah, you're going to eat some shit, you know, or people are going to criticize, but it's not even that you got to be able to take criticism. I, I, I don't think that's your problem, Rebecca. I think your problem is you got to stop listening to the criticism and start listening to your own voice. You have to trust. You actually have to believe that you know what the fuck you're doing. You actually have to believe that you know your shit and you have to put it out there unmotherfucking apologetically. And fuck the critics. You know, my second wife was a dancer, um, professional dancer, Broadway shows, shit like that. And, you know, she talked to me a lot about friends of hers who are in the business and, you know, stars of shows and Broadway shows and musicians and shit. And I've had a lot of, you know, uh, Hollywood types and so forth and singers and actors and shit in my career, you know, counseling them. And there are actually a lot of them that don't read the reviews. Yeah. That don't read the critics. It's like, why would I want that shit in my head? I do my thing. When my career is done, it'll be done. But I don't want to listen to that shit. Do you get notes from the show director? Hey, we need you to, you know, in in that second piece, could you please not be fucking dancing for Jesus and just sort of stay in your space over there? It's like, oh, okay, well, that's my job. But as far as the criticism, fuck the, you panic when you get criticism, then stop listening to it. No, uh, your fear is that if I put myself out there, that maybe it's not wanted. Maybe people won't like me. Yeah, of course, that's your fucking fear. That's every single person. It's, it's exactly what I was just talking about with James. He fears, you know, our last guest, he fears that if he puts himself out there in his marriage and really expresses what he really wants, he's afraid it'll be rejected. He's afraid he won't be loved. You're afraid that if I put it out there, people 
You feel loved and accepted by your husband. God bless you for that, and what a great man he must be. But you fear that if you put it out there, the crowds won't want it, or they won't pay. And so that's why you're afraid to put a price on your fucking speaking. You got to start. And dude, I used to do that too, Rebecca. I used to be afraid, and I used to be afraid. And it's like, fuck that shit. I know what I'm worth. And yes, it boils down to at some point, you are forced to answer the question, Rebecca, do I actually believe in me? That's the fucking ultimate question. And you know what? I got news for you. Yeah, take that job, Rebecca. Take that other fucking job. And I guess, and guess what? Two years from now, four years, 14 years from now, you're gonna be fucking miserable and you're gonna say, God damn it, why did I waste my fucking life? God damn it. I was so close to pursuing my dream. Fuck. That's what you're gonna say and you know you're gonna say that. And I know you, Rebecca, and you know you're gonna fucking say that if you don't go after it. Am I correct? That is correct. Okay, so now I have to ask, uh, really, one last question, though I reserve the right to ask one after that, and it's simply this. I got to ask, and there's, I'm not scolding, Rebecca. Why'd you stop journaling? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Give me a reason. Speculate. Change your mind tomorrow. What's the reason you stopped journaling? And I'm not scolding. I just want to know. Is um, it that it became boring? It was too much work? There was shit you didn't want to look at? What was it? I, um, that is, I, I don't know. Uh, Come on, take a shot. You could change your mind tomorrow, Rebecca. What's the answer? Why? I, I I think I get bored with things. You know, I've had so many different kinds of jobs, so many different things, you know, the multi-potentialite kind of person where I do stuff and then I get bored of it in time for something new. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I felt better and then I quit. Right. It, well, and that's another thing. And this, and I see this with clients all the time. They, you know, yeah. we, I help them, uh, uh, you know, uh, unleash, unlock and un- offload all the crap. And then they get higher and higher up the mountain. And then they stop doing the shit and then they crash. And the crash seems worse because it feels like they've hit a whole all new low because they've felt the high highs. Yeah. So the low feels even worse. Yeah, you got to stick with the shit. And it, but it's also this, Rebecca, I have to believe that a part of you didn't want to fucking journal because a part of you has to look at the fact that, oh shit, I'm scared. Oh shit, I'm scared that if I really put my nuts out there, they may not want me. And see, this is the thing. When we're really being our authentic self, saying no to the shit we don't want and having the balls to put our dreams and passions out there, when we're really doing that, the journaling never gets fucking boring. It's powerful. So if you're avoiding the journaling, part of it is I think you're afraid of some of the shit that's down there. I think you're afraid, you've been afraid to do it. It's not that it's intrinsically, you know, boring in and of itself. You're just not wanting to look at the really fucking interesting shit. And that is how fucking scared you are. You want to know what you need to be doing in your journaling is just talk about nothing else other than what am I scared of today? What am I scared of today? And flushing, flushing, flushing out all those fucking fears. You, I've told you before what my mother always said, naming the beast is half the problem. And she'd say in my journaling, she started me when I was 13, Sven, just keep flushing, just keep flushing, just keep flushing. But you haven't. And so all that shit builds up. So then all that shit that you went to, all that work of getting out of you, the pain, the fears, and the bullshit beliefs you've been taught about yourself, that began to accrue again. Like James, my last guest, he said, Sven, my mind starts to spin with all the fears, starts game out. I start to overthink, oh, this could happen and I might get rejected, whatever, whatever. You want your strength back. You want to go after your dreams, Rebecca. You have to get out all those fears and all the crud that's blocking you from fucking doing it. Because you know you fucking want to go after it. You know you do. I know you, Rebecca. And you're every single one of us. We have dreams we want to go after and you're so fucking close because you're already getting the speaking gigs. Now it's just having the courage to attach a price to it. You do the research, you find out what speakers are paid for the size gigs that you're being, you know, uh, asked to do and so forth. And then you have the nuts to put it out there. Yeah. And you just got to start doing it. But you have to get back to the fundamentals, the spiritual disciplines of purging out the pain and the fears and the regular stuff. Let me ask you, um, what final questions do you have for me, Rebecca? Or final thing that we, you felt is still unresolved or that we didn't hit? I think that that's it. I think that I, um, I, I think that that's exactly it is that I'm just, I'm scared to, I'm scared to go and do it for a number of reasons, scared of my illness, scared of this, scared of that, but keep getting asked to speak for free. So oh, it seems to, you know, continue. It seems to be meant to be that I can go in this direction. It's just the fears of doing it. Is the grand fear that if you say, you know what, I want to get paid, I'll just choose a random number, $1,000 for this speaking event. Is the grand fear that they'll say no and that that means, gee, I'm not worth it? Or what's the fear in putting yourself out there? Yeah, the, well, the fear is that, um, yeah, that is the fear is that I put a price on it and they say no. 
And then what happens? Then what happens? First of all, what do you feel if they say no? What do what do you feel inside? Name the feeling. I I feel like I'm I'm that I shouldn't have asked for so much money that I'm not worth that much money, you know that. Um, Rebecca, if you were to be totally honest with me right here, right now, are you worth that much money? Be honest with me. Whatever that price. Oh yeah, more then. Seriously, yeah. Right, so that means other people's voices are ringing louder in your head than your own voice. That's the fucking problem. Yeah. That's the fucking problem. Right, and so let me ask you this. If someone says, you know, we don't really want to pay that much, then what happens? Do you die? No, no, no. You you probably feel sad, disappointed for, you know, a day or a week. That's fine, that's understandable. You know, you win some, you lose some. But does the whole dream stop? No. Does the whole dream stop? No. All right. Um, All right. And let me tell you two things, Rebecca. One, and I learned this since I moved, especially to the New York City area, and this is going to sound insane, but sometimes a higher price makes them want you more. Yeah. There are some people, there are some organizations that say, if I'm paying more, it must be better. Yeah, fair point. And the last thing I want to say is simply this. Rebecca, you are at the cusp between old Rebecca and new Rebecca. And old Rebecca says, don't put yourself out there. It's scary. People may not want you. People may reject you. And new Rebecca is like, oh, fuck that. Let's go. And you know what? You can either win playing it safe or you can lose being new Rebecca. Would you rather win on the safe path or just fucking go balls to the wall and hey, if I lose, I lose, but at least I did it my way. Which would you prefer, Rebecca? I may as well do it my way, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and that's just it. And Rebecca, I admire you for going after your dream. And I know that you're a go-getter, but you got to get out all the fears. You have to keep flushing out those fears. I know you have greatness inside. And the day is going to come when, you know, you're getting the amount you want. And it may be tomorrow. It's not some grand day in the fucking future. It's just you having the balls to put it out there. And you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And I am going to say, see, I fucking told you so. And we're both going to have a good laugh. And then I'm going to say, no, say it. I told you so. And you're going to say, yeah, you told me so. (laughs) That I was right the whole fucking time. I'm teasing you. I love you, Rebecca. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And for everyone who's been listening, you got to go after those dreams. Because every day you're not going after your dreams. You are confirming to the universe and to everyone else that you're not worth it and that was a bullshit message that was never true to begin with on behalf of rob and kc have a kick-ass day the badass counseling show is strictly copyrighted no copies may be made without the express written consent of the badass counseling show llc the badass counseling show is produced by karen camparelli and robert h friedman executive producer sven erlinson original music by two-time emmy award-winning composer trevor morris Have a kick-ass day.